six. Amen. If you find your place, stand together. We'll read this one verse, and we'll get right on in the message. Thank you for being here tonight. Amen. Isaiah chapter number six. I trust you'll go home and read the entire chapter, but we'll just read verse one tonight. In the year that King Uzziah died, here's where I want you to see. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Tonight, with the help of God, how do you view God? One verse, let's read it together. Ready? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. All right. Let's go to the throne of grace. Eddie, how about you praying? Amen. You may be seated. Albert Einstein is considered to be the most brilliant person of the 20th century. And many records him as one of the most brilliant people to have ever lived. Yet, for all of his brilliance, here's what he had to say about God. He said, I do not believe in a personal God, and I have never denied this. But I've expressed it clearly. I believe in a God who reveals himself in the orderly harmony of what exists, not in a God who concerns himself with the actions of human beings. Wow. Someone is saying the single most important part of our lives is how we see God. Baylor University surveyed 4,000 adults in America and asked them how they viewed God. Nine out of ten Americans said, we believe in God. But the most interesting part was in their attitude and in the way they pictured God. Uh, and how, they, how we picture Him literally affects our attitude in the economics, justice, social, morality, war, disasters, everything around us. I'm, I'm amazed as I began to listen to people and get in their view of God and Here's just a few. There is the mean old God. When I say these gods, they're little G gods. They're perceptions that people have. He is always angry, hates sin, always trying to catch us doing something wrong so he can beat us. Now most of us need a beating, but that's, that's the good old God. Then there is the good old boy God. Well, he's, he's my buddy. He's my homeboy. He's the one that, that uh, I hang out with. Then there is the bellhop God. Literally, he has one job, and that is to give me what I want, when I want it, the way I want it. I like this. There is the whatsoever God. In other words, he's made us all the way we are, and everything's just, you know, there's no right, no wrong, and... If it feels good, do it. Just if it looks uh, at this world and says, whatever, God. 
I like, this is my favorite one. Oh, I, I know several that this is their view of God. I call him the spare tire God. He is the God that people drag out when the world goes flat. And the prayer is usually this, Lord, if you'll touch me and help me or, or help my children, Lord, I'll serve you. But just as soon as the world gets pumped back up, spare tire goes back in the trunk, not to be pulled out again to the next catastrophe. I wonder tonight, how do you view your God? I love this story. There's an elementary teacher. She give all of the, the children there a drawing assignment. And over in the corner was a little girl just drawing away, just, I mean, so intently, just drawing mad. And I mean, she's giving it her all. And the teacher got so intrigued, she walks over to her and, and says, Honey, what are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, well, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, they will when I get done. (laughs) Tonight, though, we're going to take the Word of God. And we're going to see a man, talk to a man, listen to a man that actually saw God. He had a view of God, an interesting view of God. And as we look at his view of God, It may help us in how we view God here tonight. One thing for sure is certain. If we have a relationship with God that He wants us to have and desires for us to have, as a matter of fact, let me just throw this out. One day the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And He began the prayer by saying this, Our God that works miracles, our God that does this, that's my way he said. He said this, our Lord's prayer was this, our Father, our Father. Father is a relationship word. It is, it speaks of being part of the family. A couple here can call me Father. And that relationship is there. And he said, if you want to learn to pray, if you want to learn to have a relationship with me, it's going to be on the terms of a fatherly relationship. He's speaking of that which is based on reality. Not how much money you have. Not what you look like. Not how popular or prosperous you are. The most important thing about you is this. How do you see God? If your view of God is wrong, then your view of you is wrong. Have you ever met someone and you wished they knew what they think they knew? Have you ever met someone that wanted to put a perception that they're, they're good or holy or godly, and you wish they was that good? Truth of the matter is, if your view of God is wrong, your view of you will be wrong. 
Your view of life will be wrong. Your view of success will be wrong. I love this. I'm not, I'm not poking fun at you now, but there's some of you who would believe you would be successful if you could just win the lottery. But the reality is it'd probably be the most damning thing in your life. But some of you are saying, I sure like the chance to try. Your view of success would be wrong. Your view of what's really important is wrong if your view of God is wrong. How do you view God? See, what's important is not how you view God, but is if your view of God, the real view of God, is He really what you think He is? And as we get into the Word of God, 2,500 years ago, God took a prophet and gave him an up-close and personal view of who he is. And it's literally, he said, I want you, Isaiah, to see something that very few will see. Paul, I believe, saw it. And God didn't allow him to write about it. As a matter of fact, he said, if I told you what I saw, you wouldn't believe me. But Isaiah did see it, and God did let him write it down. And tonight, the question is, how do you view God? Well, let's see how God said we ought to view Him. What does God say about the matter? So tonight, and then see how your view of God lines up with God's view of who He is. That's all I want you to do tonight. Is ask yourself, does your view line up with His view of Himself? Number one, we see this. We will see a God for who He really is. You'll find in Isaiah 6, 1, the Bible says, In the year the king Uzziah died. Now, don't miss this. That's a very important year. Especially for King Uzziah. But it's even more important to Isaiah. And one of the reasons that it is, is because there's some things that's going to change in the life of Isaiah that, that he'll point to. And that this day would become a monumental day. Uh, I, I want today. And, and uh, Caleb, you need to go home and get your Bible and... You need to write this date today down in your Bible. This is a monumental day for you. This is going to be a monumental day for Isaiah. And God says, let me tell you how monumental it's going to be. I'm going to give you the exact date. I'm going to give you the exact hour. I'm going to give you the exact minute. He said, I'm going to, I want you to know exactly when it happened. I want you to know exactly the time that it happened. Something about death that seems to do that. My dad died on a Thursday evening at 4.05. Isn't it amazing? Can't tell you what I've done last week, but I can tell you that date and that time. Here's a man. Here's a man here. Uzziah reigned during the ministry of Isaiah. As a matter of fact, Uzziah was a very successful king. He strengthened the defense of, of Jerusalem. 
He led the nation to a time of prosperity. He had the favor of, uh, in the land of peace and prosperity and security. But then Uzziah died. In the outskirts of that little country at that moment was an army by the name of the Syrians. And the Syrians were brutal. They were a brutal lot of people. And they were looking for a chance. They were looking for the opportunity to pounce on Jerusalem and defeat it. And one of the things that happened when a king died, it became an opportunity for these invading armies to, to come in and invade the land and just, just conquer it and destroy it. Because the leader, the king, has died. And then in the midst of all of that, a, a, a cloud of fear blocked out the sunshine of all that Uzziah had done because in the year King Uzziah died. Then Isaiah said, number one, I saw the creator of the universe. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. For the first time, Isaiah got a vision. He got a view of who God was. Now, I hate to disappoint some of you. He's not sitting up on a, on a throne, a, 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 a wobbling a staff about to fall off of it. He's a king of kings and lord of lords and he's sitting on a throne. Speaking of rulership and kingship. You'll find not only in verse number one, he saw the creator of the universe, but there's two kings in verse number one. And all of a sudden, Isaiah needed to see this. He needed to see a king who died. But he needed to see a king who would die, but raised to never die again. Amen. He saw a human king, but then he needed to see a divine king. He saw a mortal king, but then he needed to see an immortal king. What God was reminding Isaiah is this. He said, there's only one king that is indispensable. There's only one king that's not going to ever disappoint you. That's never going to die. That's never going to let you down. There's just one Isaiah. Just one king that's never going to die. He did die. Hallelujah. But he, he was buried, hallowed, he rose that third and glorious day. And I promise you this morning, tonight, he will never die again. Ronnie shared that with us in Sunday school this morning. He said, bless God, they won't beat him the next time. They're not going to beat him the next time. They're not going to strip him the next time. They're not going to put him in a tomb the next time. I thought so many times... That crowd of soldiers that would blindfold him and hit him say, okay, prophesy who hit you. I wonder what they're going to do when they face this king. What are they going to do then? Now, no, he'll know who they was. And all of a sudden, the most important king in, in Isaiah's life was not the one that was dead, but the one who lives. And Isaiah saw then what God wants us to see now. That is, praise God, He wants us a view of a God that lives, that lives, that lives. We need a view of God 
in all of His greatness and all of His glory. Isaiah saw God clearly. That's what we need to say. He's on the throne. His hand's on the throttle. Praise God. And He is in complete control. I know the Democrats and Republicans and the Independents think they're in control. But I'm telling you, now listen, the Bible says God set up kingdoms and God removeth them. Now you just take this to the bank. God put up who He wants to, when He wants to, and He can remove them as quickly as He puts them up. No matter what is in the White House, God help us, we ain't got much to choose from this year. Amen? It doesn't make a matter who's in the White House. It's a matter on who's on the throne. And he saw the Lord. You know what he saw? He saw a sovereign God on the throne. Uh, and, and, and you say, but preacher, why do, why do I need a view of that? Because if you don't have a view of that, then you'll get a view of the next newscast and another shooting. How many of you are like me? Just what? Just a few days ago, five law enforcement officers killed by a sniper. You know what? That you know what we're on the verge of. We're on the verge of anarchy. We're on the verge of us having to strap on our own guns and defend our own selves. It's almost to that place. It's amazing. Every time you turn on the news, uh, that there's another shooting. Uh, everywhere you turn around, someone gets news they got cancer. Every time you turn around, you get news that someone has lost a job. How many of you remember this, this strange thing that used to be in our factories called loyalty? You could go to work at a factory 30, 40 years and that there was a sense of loyalty. You were loyal to the company, they were loyal to you, took care of one another. How many remember that strange thing called loyalty? How many of you understand tonight that's gone? There's no loyalty at all. You can't cut the mustard, you're out the door. Amen? I, I, like, like Aslan comes up, amen? She throws that thumb up. That's right. Amen. And we, we, we need to understand why we need a view of God that's greater than what we're viewing Him is because the world we get around, everything around us getting crazier. I need a view of God in all of His sovereignty and say, praise God, the world's going crazy. My God's not. Everything's all right in the Father's house. Amen. And he's high and lifted up. And notice the story continues. Above his stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Now if you've never marked that in your Bible, you need to mark that in your Bible. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth... It's full of His glory. These angelic creatures called serpents 
are crying out continuously, Holy, Holy, Holy. Now, that's not a good old boy God. That's, that's not the God that's my homeboy. That's not one of them gods. That's not a spare tire God. That's not a whatever God. That's, that's not that kind of God. They're crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. It is being said that there are a line on one side, there's a line on the other side, and one side hollers, Holy, Holy, Holy. And the other side cries back, Yes, yes, He is Holy, Holy. So all across heaven you're hearing rung out, He's Holy. The greatest attribute of God there is, is He's Holy. As a matter of fact, when the Jews would refer to something and, and elevate it, they, they wouldn't use words or emphasize something with, with other words like we would say, man, He is wonderfully holy or, or greatly holy. They wouldn't do that. In the Jewish language, they would repeat the word. And every time a word was repeated, He's holy. 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 It would repeat and it would excel with every repetition of the word. And it was their way of emphasizing the importance. As a matter of fact, it was called degrees. If you read something in the Bible where it says like, the Lord one time was talking to Martha and he said, Martha, Martha, second degree, two degrees. It's important. But I want you to notice something. The only word in the Bible that's elevated to third degree is the word holy. And it's only given when you view God. Hallelujah. Nowhere else in the Bible. Only place you'll find holy, holy, holy in the third degree is in reference to Isaiah seeing God. Do you view God as holy? Let me say this. I'm, I please don't, don't boo this out. A whole lot of folks don't view God that way. Or they wouldn't be so careless about their Christian life. They really wouldn't. Then the Bible says this, and the whole earth is full of His glory. He just don't fill the temple. He fills the entire earth. My. Now. So how? So we see God for who He really is. Now here's the question. Here's how you could, here's the test of if you see him that way. Because if you see him how he really is, then I will see me the way I really am. 
You tell me how you see yourself. And I can tell you how you see your God. And post of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Hold it, this is Isaiah. This is a prophet of God. This was, this was man that God allowed to pen. Holy Ghost moved to pen. Many believe is a Bible inside a Bible. Here's a man that said that he's, he's God's prophet. But when he saw God the way he really is, you will see yourself the way you really are. Isaiah said, Woe is me. You tell me how you view yourself. And I will tell you how you view your God. I'm just going to get right real. I, I, I can could, I could hear Brother Schreiber. He's probably up in heaven right now. Up out with the Lord. He's probably on. Madeline preacher, Madeline. I hear him now. Madeline. Okay, Brother Schreiber, I'm going to meddle and you're going to like it. Your view of yourself. When we start elevating ourselves, and I'm just going to get right, right down here where we live now, okay? When we start elevating ourselves that we can set in judgment of anybody else, you don't view your God right. So you can't be right. Because if you ever view God right, you won't view anybody else. You'll view yourself the way we really are. And I got to read that and I got to thinking, what if Isaac could say, Woe is me. Lord, where does that leave me tonight? Where does that leave me? Hey, church, where does that leave you? Where does that leave us? See, when we go seeing God, isn't it amazing? People are, will come to me, and I appreciate this. And I appreciate their desire and their heart. Say, so, boy, I tell you, I'm getting close to God. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I always look at that and say, okay. Because when I get close to God, I start finding myself not, through, not too thrilled with me. I start struggling with me. I don't struggle with you. I struggle with me. And saying, oh God, I'm not where I should be. The closer I get to Him, the, the less I realize that John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Because if I see the real God, then I'm going to see myself. It's a true story. A pastor was having a conversation with a man at 83 years of age. His name was John. Someone said, Pastor, would you go by and see John? Talk to him about the Lord. He said, yes. John, he went by and he uh, started talking to him. And he said, he said, well, John, let me ask you a question. Uh, where are you at with the Lord? Here's what John said. He said, I don't bother anybody. He said, and the pastor started talking to him about his need for Jesus. He said, he said uh, Pastor, I tell you what's the truth. I'm good. 
He said, uh, I'm decent. Um, I'm righteous. Um, I, I don't bother anybody. I'm honest. I pay my debts. And, and, uh, and uh, he said, I do, just, I do everything right. I don't never mistreat anybody. Finally, the pastor just kept talking. And finally, and he slammed his fist. He said, if my righteousness is not good enough for God, then he'll, he'll just have to send me to hell. And the pastor said, John, I'm so sorry. But your righteousness will never be good enough for God. He won't send you to hell. You'll send yourself to hell, John. Can I help you tonight? Your righteousness will never be good enough for God. The Bible says our righteousness is just filthy rags. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. Your righteousness will never be good enough for God. Only thing good about me and the only thing good about you if you're saved is Jesus Christ and His righteousness. The only thing God sees good about us is He sees the blood of His Son and the blood's not been applied. You'll die and go to hell lost. The only thing good about us is Jesus. Praise God, that's what's good. And notice what happens next. When we get honest with God, we see how merciful He gets. Then flew one of the seraphims unto him, having a live coal in his hand, which he taken with the tongues from the altar. He laid upon my mouth and said, Lord, this hath touched my lips. Now the iniquity is taken away, and our sin is purged. Praise God. God loves sinners, but He hates sin. Amen. And I want you to know, Isaiah, God said, when, when Isaiah got honest, He said, Woe is me. And I, I dwell in the midst of an, uh, an unclean. My, uh, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He said, we're all in the same fix. Just lay off your halo. Lay it to one side. Join the rest of us sinners that's just saved by God's grace. Amen. Amen. And God said, I'll forgive him. So when we see God for who he really is, I'll see me the way I really am, and then we'll see others the way they really are. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? God allowed Isaiah to get in on a a staff meeting with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, who will go for us. And in the corner, then said I, here I am, send me. Isaiah's the closest, he's dropping on God's meeting, he has something. All of a sudden, when he sees God for who he really is, and I see me for who I really am, and God forgives and washes my sins away and, 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 and purchases that sin. Then God said, I can see others the way they really are. How do you see others? Do you see others? Bless God, that's a drunk. We don't want him. I love what Dr. Chapel said. I love this. He said, let me tell you what y'all want. You all want families driving in that's got money, driving a Lexus, everybody's clean cut. 
He said, everybody smells good, dresses right, everything's perfect. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, we don't get families like that. He said, we get drunks, we get alcoholics, we get dope addicts, we get the whole lot of people. And he said, you know what? They're just all sinners that need to be saved. How do you view others? See, God tells, and then I, I love this. Boy, this, is, this helped me. God said, okay, okay, Isaiah. He said, I'm going to send you to a people that won't listen. You'll preach and they won't respond. You'll knock on doors, but they won't heed. Okay, Isaiah, you want the job? Yeah, God, I want the job. If they don't hear, if they don't heed, I visited a dear old dear dear lady in her eighties. Knocked on the door and told her who I was. And I said, "Ma'am, we sure would like to take a few minutes to talk to you." She said, "I don't have the time." Shut the door. If I see God for who He is, and I see me for who I am, then I got to see her. And I walked away and I said, God, would you give me an open door there? If you'll give me an open door, I'll go back. And I, and I think I'm going to go back. All she knew to tell me, I ain't got time no more. Because she's lost on the road to a devil's hell. I'm going to ask you a question. What if somebody gave up on you? What if somebody gave up on you? What would you be? Somebody prayed for you. Somebody saw God for who He was. Saw themselves for who they were. And then they saw you and said, I'll go and I'll tell them. I wonder tonight, how do you view God? Because how you view Him. Let me tell you, let me give you this view of Him. For God... So loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that you would not have to perish, but that you could have eternal life. Wow. That's a view of God. That's a view of God. How do you view God tonight? It's all stand your feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.